week I deal with people that are spinning out with major issues in their life. And you would think that that's normal for me as a pastor, but the things that I deal with are not normal. And the things that are happening in so many people's lives are some of the craziest things I've ever seen. The world is really spinning out of control, and we have people around us that are spinning out of control. Drug addiction, hurts, pains, isolation, loneliness, suicide. Uh, there's so many things that are happening in people's lives that we need to help. And that's why we do what we do. There are people that don't consider their lives valuable. There are people that are spinning out of control when it comes to drugs and alcohol, sexual perversion, and all kinds of crazy things. Not unlike what I did when I was in my late teens and early 20s. I was a real wild child. You see, I didn't have a dad, and I found that most people that are spinning out, not everyone and not all, have father issues or father wounds. If you were abandoned by your blood father, then you missed what it meant to be nourished and strengthened and encouraged and loved God's way. Now, I had a stepfather that came into my life when I was just five years old, and he did a lot for me. But when it came to really, really knowing the father's love and being strengthened in the father's love, I didn't get that. And so if you had a broken relationship with your parents, then, and, then when you think about the father or when you think about God, you can have a broken relationship with him. What happens is you have a synaptic connection in your brain that can't make the connection. So I talk about God being a good father who loves you, who wants the best for you. And even if I talk about being disciplined or chastised by God, if you were abused or you had an unhealthy home life in your childhood, nine out of 10 times, not for everybody, but most people are spinning out now. Now, I don't want you to have to go back and relive your childhood, but what I do want to do is cut unhealthy root systems in your life. And I found myself to be like a wrecking ball or an ax to cut out roots in people's lives that are unhealthy. Let's all say this together. Say bad root, bad, root. bad fruit. So unhealthy root systems produce unhealthy fruit systems. And that's what happens. And many times we have believers that are trying to put their trust in God and are praying but are still spinning out. You ever met an angry Christian? You ever met a Christian that's battling drugs or pornography? Yes. And the reason for that is because in their soul realm, their mind, their will, and their emotions, there are toxic, unhealthy root systems that need to be cut. And so it's really not that complicated. You identify the fruit, which enables you to identify the root. And so what we do is we discover why did you do what you did? Why did you spin out? Why did you abuse your spouse or your child? Why did you have an affair? Why are you on your fourth marriage? And then we try to get you to a place of healthiness so that history doesn't repeat itself. Now, we don't shame you. We don't beat you down. We don't make you feel less than. I don't take a Bible and whack you over the head. Instead, love covers a multitude of sins. So love causes you to be attracted and come out of darkness. But darkness is blinding you. And in a few weeks, I'm going to start my series titled Blind Mind. And it's going to be all about mental health. It's going to be about depression, anxiety, fear, uh, attention deficit disorder, schizophrenia, bipolar, everything related to mental health. Now, I'm not a counselor, but I am a spiritual life coach, and I'm a spiritual shepherd. And the Bible speaks a lot about the mind. It has a lot to say about the mind. And what I want to do is help all of you to become healthy so that you can remove root systems and tear down mountains in your own life and then get to work to doing what you're supposed to be doing in other people's lives. Because the enemy's plan and strategy is to get you so much in bondage to your own self and the business and the cares and the affairs of your own life that you can't help somebody else. And like I've said so many times, he doesn't mind if you're on the football team. Play football, right? 
do you like to put the pads on and just stay on the bench or do you want to get in the game? That's right. So the enemy doesn't care if you stay on the sidelines. Oh, you're part of the team. You got your passport stamped and you're making it to heaven. That's not what this life is about. We have to get aggressive. This isn't about your nice Sunday morning Christian duty. You got people spinning out and dying. And if you're not careful, our own children will do the same. And so what children see is what they imitate and what they tend to follow. And I'm telling you guys, it's not rocket science. A majority of times, almost every time, the situations that I'm seeing when people spin out come from the experiences or the things that they were taught or saw from their own family or hurts and pains from high school, elementary, childhood, loss of a family member, scars, and being put into situations that cause you to believe certain things about yourself. You're not valuable. If you were raised and told <clears throat> you're not valuable or you're an idiot or you're stupid or we never wanted you or you're a girl and your parents said, I wish you were a boy. We really wanted a boy. We didn't actually really want you. That was my story. When my mom got pregnant with me, my dad said to her, are you sure you want to have him? Because this isn't the best time of my life to have a child. He was 28 and riding high in the, in the entertainment industry, managing big name bands, ultimately moved to Beverly Hills, multimillionaire. I only met him once in my life, and he has nothing to do with me now. But if I didn't learn to find my value in who I am as a son from the Heavenly Father, if you don't find your identity in who you are, you'll always be searching to find it in this world. And let me make sure you all understand, church is never designed to be a social club. This is not a social club. This is a family. And the way that you break darkness and show people what true life looks like is you show them what real family looks like. And what we need is not controlling pastors and manipulated institutionalized systems of man. Is we need mamas and papas that raise up sons and daughters and get in the trenches and love like the father loves. And I need you guys to get into the process and get where God's called you to be because we got a lot of work to do. This isn't your feel-good Sunday morning time. This is be transformed, be challenged, think differently, and walk out of here changed. I love y'all, but I'm trying to, you need to understand that if somebody is spinning out of control, we're the answer for it. Jesus's answer for the darkness in the world around us is you and I. We're his hands and feet. In fact, the Bible calls us the body of Christ. And if you are not connected to the body of Christ, you're dislocated. You're a dislocated joint. The Bible says that every joint supplies something. Let's everybody say this together. Say, I'm a joint. Now, I'm not talking about doobies. You know what the definition of joint in the New Testament is? It's the exact word in the Greek for the word harmony. And here's what it means. We're to be like a symphony or an orchestra. And you're to play your instrument, yourself, in tune at the right time and release the sound that God has put inside of you together with me and everyone else around you. And that Jesus is the master conductor causing us to be choreographed into the song he wants us to play. So what happens is, is if you're out of joint, you are dislocated. And many of you are dislocated because, one, you're not providing to the kingdom and the body of what you're... That's the first telltale sign. You're isolated. You're alone. Shame. 
fear, you're dislocated. And usually dislocation comes from self-preservation. It's like a scorned lover. If you've loved and been hurt or abused many times, what happens is, is you'll retreat and say, I'm never going to love again. Or subconsciously, we don't put ourselves in that position. Or if a pastor hurt you or a church hurt you, or all you've seen is crazy weirdos on the street with a bullhorn and a sign that says turn or burn, you're going to walk away from the kingdom because you're going to identify it with that. So experiences cause root systems. What you saw from your family causes root systems. And Jesus wants to plow your ground. He wants to plow you up. And I'm not, I don't need to be nice. We don't need more nice Christians. We need aggressive Christians. Jesus says the kingdom suffers violence and the violence take it by force. Let me put that in layman's terms for you. There are so many people getting their heinies kicked by the enemy every day and he's full-time aggressive against you. He's not part-time, he's full-time. So we gotta become more violent and more aggressive against him. I'm seeing suicide rates go up. I'm seeing drug addiction, pornography amongst teenagers, and they have no healthy, healthy guide of what normal looks like. And the only way that people see normal is by looking at you. That's how my children, who are four and six, are going to see normal. Not weird religious, not super strict, crazy militant weird, but militant against the enemy that hates them, protective and covering, but not overly shielding, doing it Jesus' way. When we pulled out of the parking lot last, last week, we have a lot of homeless transients that come through this spot. God put us right where we needed to be. A lot of homeless transients, and many of them have spun out major drug addiction for long periods of time. They're so mentally ate up that they are just completely demonically possessed. They're doing the hand thing. They're talking. Just look around. It's everywhere. It's so demonic. They're talking to spirits and doing a hand thing, and they're completely out of their mind. And some of them get incredibly aggressive, incredibly aggressive. And they get so aggressive, we have an incredible usher slash protective team that watches out for this church and you, just so that you know. And they do, they watch out for us when you come and go. But I just want you all to understand, if a church is doing what they're supposed to be doing, we're reaching the most hurting, broken outcasts in society. And you cannot have a disdain for them. And so we walk out and my kids jump in my truck and one of the guys, like many before him, is, is being told to move away from the door. And he starts screaming and yelling and cussing violently against my ushers. And I'm walking out with my kids. And I get in my car. And he's screaming at the top of his lungs all the way across the parking lot. This is about the 50th time it's happened since we move into this property. And my kids are like, what's that guy doing, Dad? What's, what's, the, what's going on? Why is he yelling like that? Why is he saying that? I said, kids, he's got major mental illness, and that's why we do what we do. He's spun out. He's done a lot of drugs in his life, and he's angry, and he's demonically possessed, and he's screaming and yelling because it's the demons controlling his life. He is not my enemy. It's a spirit that controls people to do the things that they, that they do when they spin out of control. 
And so he's cussing and yelling and screaming. I said to my kids, that's why we do what we do. That's why your dad's a pastor and why we have Rock City Church. Now I want to make sure all y'all don't go where he's at. That's what I want to make sure. And I want to do all I can to help them. But they got to want it. They got to be open to it. They got to receive it. And a lot of times we got to get them to a place where they're healthy in their mind so that they can even start to rationally think. That's why sometimes rehab is important because drugs blinds your mind and causes you to be deceived and not think straight. Sometimes some of you are in so much darkness and bondage, you can't see the trees because of the forest. So what I do is I come in and I start chopping trees down or I yank you out of the forest. That's what has to happen. One of my dear friends who is an outlaw biker who doesn't go to church ever. He's a friend of mine. I've known him for a while. You all should know that I'm the president, chapter president of the Tribe of Judah Motorcycle Ministry. It's a ministry, not a club. He's a friend of mine. I see him yesterday morning. My kids are in the truck. He's going to the coffee shop. I open up the door. Man, we're high-fiving. We're, we're fist bumping. And he's like, oh, yeah, man, this, F this, S that, F, right in front of the kids. And I'm just smiling big. Now, I've told him before, I'm like, dude, you got to tone it down. But I'm just smiling away. Because if my kids, and now granted, they're four and six, but I can't keep them back from ever hearing a cuss word. And let me make sure you all understand something. If we're going to be reaching the world and the hardest of the hard, families that have never been to church, that aren't even Christians, that want to change their life, when they come here and they bring their kids with your little kid back in the children's ministry, your little kid could hear a cuss word in our own children's ministry. Some of you are like, man, I don't, my kid's never going to hear it. Listen, guys, we're not a social club. If you want nice kingdom under yourself and pretty preserving, this isn't it. If you want aggressive and life-changing, this is it. Now, I'm hoping and praying that no little kids are cussing at my kids in the back. And it doesn't hardly ever happen, by the way, just so that you know. But you got to change your thinking. You're, you can't have a disdain for the outcast. You know why I'm in the tribe of Judah? I got plenty to do. I don't need to be in another thing. Okay? I'm in the tribe of Judah because most outlaw bikers hate Christians. Or what they've ever seen is jacked up, not normal. And now after... 12 years, some of them, man, they hug me, they love me, and they call me in crisis. They, they won't come here yet, but one day. And some will come and get changed. So people are spun out, and they're spinning out everywhere around us. And if you're not careful, you're going to find yourself cynical and apathetic and not seeing God's power because you're not believing it or trusting it or having faith or you're giving into one of what I would consider, there's a lot of things I consider that are the greatest enemies to the kingdom in the world system. But probably right now, my top two that I'm the most aggressive against are pornography and the cable news channels. <laughs> if you are so, some of you are so ate up with what's happening in Washington and the political system and the world system and the economy system, it's making you apathetic and cynical and it's full of fear and it will make you angry. And if you don't get tuned in to what God's saying and spend more time in his word than you do on Instagram 
or Facebook or the news channels. You know, the great thing about phones today is all of our phones have this little thing inside the settings that shows you how much time you spend on one particular thing. So I got a double dog dare challenge for all y'all. Said true Texas style. Make it your priority to have more Bible time on your phone than Instagram time. That's my challenge to you. Because if you're not hearing what God says and getting into his word and making that a priority, you will become cynical, apathetic, and angry and self-focused. That's what the world system does. It gets you focused on yourself. And I'm going to tell you all right now, not all of us, but most of us have never seen normal. What normal in family should look like. So when you come in here, what I really want you to see is people that love, that care, real presence, real worship, real preaching, and people that will get in the trenches with you. But the challenge is, is I'm only one guy. Jesus was only one guy. So he picked 12 people to get in the trenches with him. And then he told the 12, now you go and feed the 4,000 and the 5,000. So I need people that I can do the handoff to. I need spiritual sons. The kingdom of God, the patterns is not senior pastor centralized leadership. It's decentralized leadership. It's giving the power and the presence and the understanding away so you hear God for yourself and then I can trust you and empower you and send you. Moses and Aaron, Elijah and Elisha, Paul and Timothy in particular, Jesus and his disciples. It's gotta be father, son. So when I look at any of you, I don't see how jacked up you are in all your sin, though I probably could. And sometimes God shows it to me. But if I see all your messiness, a lot of times, well, especially in the past, I could find myself getting angry against that and not loving you right. That's called religion. So many years ago, I said, God, I, if I'm going to shepherd people that are really jacked up, most of the time don't listen to what I tell them, then I need you to give me a real good heart and love for them. I need your heart. So now when I look at you, you know what I see? Sons and daughters. And that darkness doesn't faze me because scripture says love covers a multitude of sins. You know what draws people out of darkness is real love. You want to go set a captive free, but you don't even have love for them or pray for them. You're doing your Christian duty. Stop. Let's get you healthy. And let's get you being a spiritual mother or father that loves with the eyes of God that can pull people out aggressively his way, not your way. I'm going to show that to you. And so what I do is I, I'm finding myself becoming more like a Holy Ghost chainsaw or a wrecking ball. And I'm saying, okay, what's happening in your life and how can I pull those root systems out and strengthen you? But I'm only one guy. So there's got to be a handoff. So I'm picking people as fast as I can, but it's not fast enough, just so that you all know. Because I got all my leaders at max capacity, so I need you to rise up and become who you're called to become so that we can start handing people to you. So today what we're going to do is we're going to deal with some root systems and mountains in your life so that you can start setting other people free. And Jesus had a lot to say about that. So let's say this together. First he does it in me then he does it through me. Until you have an in you, there's no through you. And if you're wrestling with a mountain or root systems in your life that are unhealthy, let's get them to the sea, the salt water, which will kill them. 
Let's get them out of your life so that you can now get them out of other people's life. You see, you can't live isolated. The Bible says, the Bible doesn't say that men are islands unto themselves. No man is an island of himself. You can't do it without one another. You can't do it without family. And it takes time and it takes process. It takes relationship. And we're learning. I'm going to harp this more than volunteering. I will harp relationship and family because when you come into family, you're like, how can I give? How can I give back what God's given to me? That's why I don't check tithe records and check, you know, if you've been naughty or nice. I'm not spiritual Santa Claus. I'll love you whether you give or not. You know how many people I meet with that don't give? Well, I don't know because I don't really ask them. (laughs) What I do do is get you healthy so that you want to give because this functions on all of us giving together of your time, your talents, your gifts, and your money. So let's look at what Jesus said. I'm going to give you guys an awesome lesson on how you can destroy mountains and root systems in your own life. Luke 17, verse 5. How many of you'd like to have more faith? Well, so did the disciples. In Luke 17, 5, the disciples said, or the apostles, which are only a few times where they called, you know, they actually weren't apostles yet, but Jesus identified them. They were mostly disciples until the Holy Spirit came, they became apostles. But Jesus was identifying in advance who they would become. And, he, and they said to Jesus, Lord, I'm going to paraphrase this for you. You have been busting up demons, feeding thousands, walking on water, commanding storms. Man, I want to be like you. How can I have more faith to be like you? I think we'd all like to have more faith. Now, I can tell you that faith grows over time because through experiences and overcoming, let's all say this together. Let's say he's in the overcoming. So that's why many of you will come in crisis, and I'm like, all right, let's self-realize together, and let me help you overcome. But if you don't start getting the word in you, and you don't start worshiping, some of you never worship, you never read your Bible, and it's like you're constantly going to stay stuck until you start watering your life. But the disciples or the apostles said, increase our faith. Lord, we want to be more like you. And listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you could say to a mulberry tree, be pulled up by its roots. I want you to notice the example that Jesus is using here. He's talking about roots, and he's talking about faith the size of a mustard seed. And he says, if you have that littlest, tiniest faith, you will speak to that mulberry tree and say, pull up by its roots and go to the sea, and it would obey you. Now, y'all should remember just how small a mustard seed is. And lest you forget, let me show you. A mustard seed is insanely, insanely tiny. And in fact, what you actually see of the mustard seed is not the seed. It's just the husk. The seed's on the inside. It's even smaller than what you can see. And though it's one of the smallest of seeds, a mustard seed is likened unto many things. It grows these huge branches, and it grows a beautiful tree that brings shade and rest. I've taught you on that when I taught about a wise tree. So what happens is, is you become something that people can come to and find strength. Mustard seed, mustard trees, which are huge, become huge from a tiny seed, provide rest to the birds of the air. That's what you become. But there's something else that mustard seeds do. Mustard seeds are a mustard seed of faith 
it's really faith in your life, it can destroy root systems. And the mulberry tree has these insanely spread out horizontal root systems, huge root systems. They're everywhere. And a mulberry tree can take 10 years before it actually produces its first fruit. The actual name mulberry comes from the word delayed. Some mulberry trees can live 75 years on average, but most, especially in the Middle East, can live centuries, three, 400 years. So Jesus is using this analogy. He's saying, you've had these root systems. Some of you have had root systems in your life 20, 30, 40, 50 years. My desire is to create root systems in my children, Zion and Cadence, that are healthy root systems like a mustard tree that don't have any tainted roots, though they've already got some tainted roots that come from the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. It's called carnal nature. They're carnal roots. They're fighting over their toys. You know, they're saying poo-poo because they don't know another word yet. Thank God. You know, they're yelling at each other. They're just crying, melting down, scratching, kicking. I didn't teach them those things. Everybody's born with a carnal nature, meaning an animalistic nature, carnal flesh. You know that. That's why Jesus comes and changes your nature. So if you're acting like an animal, strung out on hurts and pains and drugs and porn, that's animalistic nature. So the Lord wants to come and crucify that and then bring the new nature into your life. So you'll live like Jesus lived. And so there's all these root systems in people's lives. Most of the root systems are fear, shame, and self-preservation. I'm protecting myself. Some of you are hurting so much, but you want to help everybody else. And so you'll help everybody else, but on the inside, you're dying. And instead of actually helping other people, what we do is we enable now, all I want you to do is own it, not feel shame. Say, you know what? Yeah, that's what I've been doing. And say, okay, God, I have a mustard seed of faith. Now, here's what a mustard seed of faith does. Bring the scripture back up. The mustard seed of faith, here's what happens when you have a mustard seed of faith. This is not about quantity as much as it is about what you actually possess. And that's all you have to possess so if you think you have to be Mr. Super or Miss Rockstar spiritually, you don't. All, you have to, all I have to do is get you to possess the mustard seed. But never give up. Here's why. Because the mustard seed of faith speaks. So let's say this together. Faith speaks. And it never stops. You need to know that you don't come to God with a 90-day money-back guarantee. Some of you are like, man, I came to the Lord and nothing. In fact, things got worse. You know why? Because the devil starts going haywire in your life because he had you and he doesn't want to let you go. And so what I'm saying to you is that faith doesn't have an expiration date. You don't go 30 days, 30 years. Some of you have been praying for your kids, praying for situations that they've never changed. And what happens is over a long period of time and the enemy's lying, we start believing that lies are truth and then we cast our faith away. And I realize that some of you have experienced incredible tragedy prematurely 
even when you had faith, like the death of a child. But what I want you to know is you never stop having faith and never stop believing because God's eternal and there's a whole nother dimension that you don't see. So no matter what happens, even when things didn't go my way in my time, because faith doesn't say it happens in your way, your time. Faith says it happens in God's way in his time. And faith says I never give up because it could take 10 years for that tree to bear fruit. He's using an example. And what he's saying is you're designed to bear incredible fruit because mulberries produce great jams. There's all kinds of great things that mulberry can do. It's got uh, uh, great health benefits, medicinal benefits. Mulberries are designed to be healthy for you. But if you have wrong root systems in your life, then you got to start possessing even the mustard seed of faith to speak to it. And sometimes you need somebody else to do it. So faith speaks. Let's all say that together. Faith speaks. So what you speak out of your mouth is critical. Some of you just speak death constantly. You know, pessimism is not a fruit of the Spirit. A lot of times we speak what we were told. You're never going to mount up to anything. You're a failure. We didn't want you. You're stupid. You're an idiot. Your life's not important. Those are the lies that people believe when they start to think that they want to kill themselves. So I come around and say, no, 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 no. wait a minute. Your life is incredibly valuable. You're not identified by your circumstances or your failures. You're identified by what God says about you. And let me tell you what he says. Now let me help you to see it. And I just want all of you to know you can never reinvent yourself. You don't reinvent yourself. You can't recreate yourself. Only Jesus can transform you. I was talking with somebody last service. He's like, I just, I really have never known who I am. I want to find myself. So I'm going to reinvent myself. I said, you can't do that. You're not going to find you till you find him. And when you find him, you actually become who you're supposed to become. You find who you really are when you find him. When you find Jesus, you find who you really are. So the world wants to put labels on you and identify you, and we want to fit in with society. You're part of the kingdom when you get born again. You'll never fit in with society. So I think about mustard seeds of faith, and I think about root systems. That's kind of like an ax to me. I feel like what we have to do is ask Jesus to come and take his axe and cut out anything unhealthy or root systems in your life, even things passed down by your family. We need his axe to come. We got to get aggressive. Now, I like axes, but I'd much rather use a chainsaw, wouldn't you? So we're going to take a chainsaw. And sometimes you can't do it on your own. That's why you need a team approach. Sometimes you need about five guys around that tree And they're all together coming against the root systems and working together with you. It takes a family. It takes a team. I can't do it by myself, and neither can you. That's why I need each other. That's why as joints, we're all supplying to bring freedom to each other's life. And sometimes you got to get so aggressive. You know, Jesus said, command the tree to go to the sea. Now, you're not in the natural seeing a tree go to the sea, but in the spirit you are. And Jesus is talking about this in the context of increasing faith so that we could do what he did. And sometimes you need a full relocation machine in your life. I'm giving you these analogies. A relocation machine 
completely digs out all the roots and rips the tree up and completely replants it somewhere else. And in this case, Jesus says, let it die. Because you don't plant a mulberry tree in the sea. And you need help to discover some of these systems because you don't realize it. In our soul realm, in our mind, in our will, in our emotions, we have hurts and pains and bitterness and unforgiveness and things that we've seen that aren't healthy and we've never seen really normal in a church. Some have, but most haven't. So let's become normal so that we can help set the captives free and rip out these systems and put them into, into the sea and help people become healthy. I need some relocation machines in this church. And you can't buy them. You can only become them. I need some men with chainsaws. I need prophetic men. I need people that will get in the trenches, that will rescue. There are people that come up to me every week and there's a special look in their eye. You know what that look in their eye is? Have you ever seen the look of I'm so desperate and I, I'm about to take my life? I see it every week. And you know what's going to happen if we keep doing things right? They're going to be coming by the masses. And you can't put it on me and just a few people we have. It's got to be empowered and given away. It's decentralized leadership. And I'm not the only relocation machine in this church. Let's take it a little bit further. So Jesus busts up a demon. Jesus is on doing incredible ministry, ripping out root systems and tearing down mountains in other people's lives. Okay, I'm going to set the context for you. In Matthew 17, Jesus heals the paralytic boy. The boy was kept throwing himself into the water and into the fire. And the disciples couldn't cast it out. The disciples couldn't bring the healing. And so the disciples come to Jesus and they say, I'll paraphrase it for you. Why couldn't we bust up the root system or tear down the mountain in this boy's life? And you know what Jesus said? Look at the next verse. Because of unbelief. Because of unbelief, assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, here we are back at the mustard seed again. If you have faith like a mustard seed, you know what you'll do? You will speak. Let's say faith speaks. It speaks. Instead of speaking death, speak life. We don't need a bunch of negative Nancys and pessimists, half, the glasses half empty. I don't need any devil's advocates. But you'll become cynical and apathetic if you don't know what God says and you're not rooted in his word. If you don't have healthy roots, out of your mouth will come death. Pessimism is not a fruit of the spirit, FYI. Some of you know who you are. You've gotten apathetic. You know what the word apathy is? It comes from the word skeptic. You know where skeptic comes from? The word scorpion in the Greek. The exact definition for scorpion is skeptic, which leads to cynicism and apathy. And you know what Jesus said we're supposed to do to scorpions? Trample them underfoot. Now, I'm not going to come trample you down, but I will trample that skeptic scorpion mentality in your life. If you were raised 
by a militant father and never cried and never wept and told you need to be tough all your life. My kids see me cry a lot. I cry at kids' movies all the time. We watched Storks the other day. I'm over there crying. The baby didn't get to its house. I cry at the silliest of things that I watch with my kids. But I'm sensitive. I'm not weak. Meaning weak in the world's eyes. Real men do cry. FYI. Real men do cry. So he says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will speak, and you will speak to the mountain, and what will that mountain do? So think of that little bitty tiny seed for a minute. You know, I'm a picture guy. You guys should know that. I love pictures. That's why I love dreams. That's why I love dream interpretation. God speaks in your dream language. Make it a priority. Dreams will change you. Write your dreams down. Ask God what they mean. By the way, I read that dream you sent was powerful. Fountains and lions, I mean, beautiful house, I'm receiving it. But you know what this tiny seed can become if you look at it right? It can become a wrecking ball. So let's all say this together, Lord, give me wrecking ball faith. And you know what wrecking balls do? They tear down walls in your life. Walls that preserve you, that hide you, that shelter you or protect you <coughs> from everybody else. It's like Pink Floyd's album, The Wall. Used to listen to it all the time back in the day. You know, that whole album and concept of The Wall in Pink Floyd's The Wall came from a time where the band in its earliest days was uh, performing and a fan spit on the band. And the lead singer at the time, who left early, started preserving his life from his own fans so that nobody could ever reach him or spit on him again. And people build walls all around their life all the time. And they come up to me, and I'm like a, I'm like a spiritual surgeon, and I'm looking for walls, and I'm looking for roots, but you're self-preserving and bowed up on me. I don't have anything to, I'm not trying to get anything from you. And if we're doing things right in a family, it's real agape love. And real agape love says, I don't expect anything in return from you. Let me love you. Let me pay your rent. Sometimes I got to move the mountain before I can get to the root. Sometimes that's why the Bible says if somebody comes in naked, clothe them. If somebody comes in hungry, feed them. That's why you, sometimes a drug addict's got to get his mind clear. Sometimes I got to do whatever I can to yank you out of that forest and yank you out of that hole that you're in. That's what Jesus did for us is he first rescued. And I need rescuers. I need trench fighters. I need people that aren't afraid to get dirty and reach down in the gutters. I need people that can come to church and sit next to somebody that just slept over here at the follows and are stinking to high heaven with body odor. And you're not going, oh, man, can't you take a shower? I got to get away from you. That's not kingdom. Jesus would hug and love on the, the outcast. And not, I remember I used to go to the homeless shelter all the time. My time will come again. And I'd hug on people all the time. Somebody once said to me, aren't you afraid you're going to get lice? I said, no, it hadn't even crossed my mind. And guess what? I never got lice. In fact, a wreck, you know, a wrecking ball can weigh 
anywhere from 1,000 to 12,000 pounds. And wrecking balls are actually a pendulum. Did you know that? Swings on a chain or swings on a metal rope from a crane. And one little ball of 1,000 to 12,000 pounds can tear down giant, giant buildings. Now today, they just blow it up. I'd rather use explosives. <laughs> now I could go crazy with the pictures, but just imagine giant buildings being blown up. Why don't we just blow up mountains and unhealthy root systems in your life and stop coddling them and protecting them? Cut them off, get aggressive. Get aggressive. And Jesus was aggressive to get them out of other people's lives. Let's, let's have some spiritual cranes in this house. It takes a variety of things. The crane, the rope, the gas to run the crane, the wrecking ball, and mechanics like Frank over here that fixes cranes. It takes a lot of people and a family to destroy mountains and root systems, but you have the power and the authority with the mustard seed of faith to tear them down yourself. He says, if you have, let's go back to the scripture, if you have seed, a mustard seed amount of faith, you will speak to the mountain and tell it to be moved into the sea. And then he goes on to say, nothing will be impossible for you. He says that you have the ability to speak, verse 21. You have the ability to speak to that mountain and nothing will be impossible for you. Now that's kind of hard to grasp around my mind that nothing will be impossible for me. Especially if you've experienced setback and failure over and over and over again. Some of you have experienced a lot of failure. But Jesus is in the overcoming and he never wants you to give up. That's why I tell you, don't stop coming and don't back down. Don't give up and hide and isolate. Let even just the smallest amount of faith in your life come to life by speaking it, by standing against it. See, mountains, how many of you have ever been to the mountains? You know, mountain ranges are incredible. I love going to Colorado. I love seeing the mountains. I love enjoying them. But every time I go to the mountains, I think, man, Lord, Wow, that mountain is so incredible. You use that example in my life that if I have the tiniest amount of seed, I can speak to the mountain and command it to be cast to the sea. Every time you look at a mountain, realize you may have a mountain in your life, but guess what? All it takes is the tiniest mustard seed of faith and then put your faith into action. The Bible says faith without works is dead. So what's the works of faith? It speaks. It believes. You receive it and you believe it. So let's everybody say this together. Say, I receive it. I, receive it. I, believe, it. I believe it. Help me to discover the mountains and root systems and to confidently speak against it with power and with love. We need a people with power. This isn't just a nice, pretty message. I need people filled with the Spirit that are aggressive, that have come past their own dysfunctions to help people out. You see, if I was a drug addict or a deadhead like I used to be, would I be able to set the drug addicts and the deadheads free? If I was addicted to porn, would I be able to help other people that are addicted to porn? 
If I was stuck in my old ways and my own lifestyles, I can't help somebody else to come out of it. There's got to be a demonstration of what freedom looks like and normal looks like. And I need you all to be normal. Normal is supernatural. Not nice, comfy, suburbia, Starbucks Christianity. I'm not saying that to diss Starbucks, but there's an association with nice, suburbia, Starbucks Christianity. Some of you are getting beat down night after night, and you don't know where to turn, and you don't know what to do. The first thing you have to understand is Jesus says that he's your best friend, and he gives you a spirit, which is your comforter, your counselor, your guider. So you have Jesus when I'm not there, or any of the leaders aren't there, or church service isn't in play. Learn worship music. Only listen to worship music. And I'm not talking about nice contemporary Christian music. I'm talking about get Pandora, get Spotify, put on a repeat of a play, or put on an artist that you know is a worshiper, Hillsong, Bethel, whoever it is that you really like, and only feed your spirit and your soul true life. And then read your Bible. Read your Bible. And don't just read the Bible that everybody else reads. Read it, read it for yourself. And what happens is, is your faith will increase and confidence will happen to where you'll start taking authority over those things. Because if you don't, I'm not going to be able to, one that, to be the one that fully helps you to go where you're supposed to go. Only Jesus can do that. But we do need each other. And it does take a team, a tribe, and a family. It takes us all working together. Now, I'm going to identify one main root this morning. Hebrews 12, 12. All of us have a call to strengthen hands which hang down and to bring strength to people's knees so that they can walk. It's a spiritual understanding. Is there physical healing? Yes. But let me make sure you all understand that Jesus' first primary reason for coming was spiritual healing and to rescue out of the spirit of death that came from the garden and the poison from the carnal nature. Physical healing is a benefit, but the prime thing is to get you into eternity, and eternity starts now. It's eternity now. Better than serenity now. All right, I thought that was funny. Eternity now! Maybe some of you get what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> Strengthen the hands that hang down and the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. Dislocated is a joint out of place that can't function properly to do what it's called to do. So what we do is we pop dislocated joints back into place. When my, I remember when Cadence was like three, we went over to one of the play places with the bouncy houses in town. We were on the top slide, and we were going to go down together, but she started, she fell and started to go on her own. She reached and said, Daddy, grab me. I don't want to go. And I grabbed her wrist, and I pulled her elbow right out of socket. And she couldn't move her arm. Now, it was an easy fix. I didn't know how to do it. So we go to the ER, the children's ER in Saratoga, the clinic, and the doctor like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what that is. Snap. <laughs> Cadence's arm was right back to normal. 
Sometimes you just need to get snapped back into place. <laughs> and you know what we do? Don't touch my arm. I can't move it on. No, stay back. You just need the doctor to come and go crack. So he says, pursue peace with all people. So we're to be pursuing peace with one another, and we're to be pursuing holiness. Because without holiness and pursuit of peace with one another, you'll never see the Lord. And what happens is, is if you're not looking carefully, let's everybody say, look carefully, you will fall short of God's empowering grace that gets you to where he wants you to be. Here's what that means. The devil is always working on overtime to trip you up. He's aggressive. The kingdom suffers violence. So I've got to be more aggressive. That's why drunkenness and alcoholism or drug addiction numbs you out in your mind and inhibits you or anything that we check out on too. Pills, pornography, even binge watching Netflix for days on end. We're constantly, our soul is constantly running to the things of this world to be comforted. And he's saying, look, God has an empowering grace for you to not only overcome for yourself, but help other people overcome. And then he says, if you're not careful, a root, there's, there's that word root, of bitterness will spring up and cause trouble. Roots of bitterness cause trouble, and in turn, many people become defiled. So let me define first the word bitterness. Bitterness means to be harsh or to be disagreeable or to have an acrid taste to your life. How many of you know what the word acrid means? The word acrid means a sharp or biting taste or smell. It means to be bitterly pungent and it irritates your eyes and your nose and your senses. What, what an acrid taste gives off is a burning of the eyes, a burning of the nose, and it causes you to be biting, bitter, sharp against everything that comes close to you. It's stinging like a thorn bush. And it's exceedingly caustic. It's like, how many of you would like to stand right behind a motorcycle while it's doing a burnout? and just breathe in, full face, burning rubber. Anybody? Now, some of you might like the smell of burning rubber, but could you imagine sticking your face right as that tire's doing a burnout? That's what, that's what it's like to be acrid or to be bitter. It says that a root of bitterness causes trouble, not only for yourself, but for others. It defiles. The word defile means to pollute, contaminate, or be sully. How many of you know what it means to be sully? To be sully means that you are stained, soiled, or tarnished, but you soil and tarnish everyone that's around you. Some of you are sully. The greatest root that I deal with in almost everybody's life, not the only one, but the greatest one, has to do with bitterness and unforgiveness, and you don't even realize it. If you've been hurt and abused, if you weren't loved right God's way when you were a child, if you were told horrible things, if you were scorned by lovers in high school or divorced, all those things can cause us subtly to build these root systems inside of us that need to be dealt with. And bitterness is called a root. And that root of bitterness causes us to defile not only ourselves, but the people that are around us. 
right? The greatest fruits I see are fear, shame, and control, bitterness, and unbelief. Unbelief. So every day I fight the good fight of faith. Let's everybody say fight, fight. the good fight of faith. Some of you are fighting. You just gave up. You just gave up. But I'm here to put some fight back in you. I'm here to make a deposit of a mustard seed. I'm here to get you back into position out of being dislocated so that we can get together and do what God's called us to do as a family. That's what we're called to do, is to be a body. I'll leave you with this last scripture. I know it really well. I've read it many, many times. Jesus used another analogy of root systems that need to die. It was about a fig tree. The fig tree is a picture of what looks life-giving on the outside, but has no fruit on it. So this, in the particular example of Mark 11, just hold that right there. In, the, in Mark 11, here's what's happening in this scenario. The day before, Jesus walked up to the fig tree that had beautiful leaves, but no fruit. And he said, let no one eat of you again. Because if you're eating from a caustic, acrid people, it's like sticking your face right behind a burnout. It'll make you sick and it'll stain you. So Jesus says, let no one eat of you again. And then he went on his way. So then the, the next morning, right before this, the next morning they saw the fig tree was dried up where? Bad root, bad fruit. And we need wrecking ball faith, spiritual chainsaws, and Holy Ghost axes to cut these roots out. And so look at what Jesus said in verse 22. So he says, look, those roots are withered up and the tree's now withered up. And Jesus says in response to that, have faith in God. Because with faith, you'll do verse 23. With faith, guess what you'll do? Let's everybody say this together. Faith speaks. Faith talks. It speaks life and it never gives up. You're going to speak it for 30 days, and then, oh, man, it didn't work. Maybe your response is delayed. Maybe it's taken a lifetime. You never give up. And so he says, whoever says to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, we're back to the mountains again, and doesn't doubt in his heart. Unbelief, doubt, but actually prays and believes God and what they've said, look what he says. And doesn't doubt his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. We'll have whatever we say. Now, we're not living personally. I don't believe we live in this name it, claim it thing. I believe that we trust God for what he knows is best for us. Now, there are things I'm believing for. Lord, I'm believing for the roof to be paid off. I'm believing for the money to come for the build out. But these are pure desires from a right heart. I'm not driving by the Chevy dealership and laying hands on that Corvette that I'd really actually like to have, just so you all know. But I think I'll stick with my big 2,500 truck. Maybe one day I'll have one. And maybe I won't. But I'm not going laying hands on a man, I call this Corvette into being. You don't ask a miss, you ask according to his will. 
And some of you don't know what his will is, so start with this. His will is for you to be free and healthy, to be a son, and to walk in your identity and trust your dad. Because you know what I just want my son and my daughter to do? Just trust me. Trust when I say look both ways when you cross the street. Trust when I say, no, no more iPad. No, you can't watch a show. No, I just want them to go, I mean, I just wish they'd go, yeah, Dad, you're right. We've had too much iPad time. (laughs) Yeah, I've watched too many movies, too much shows. I've eaten too much candy. Dad, you are so right. (laughs) It doesn't quite happen like that. But don't be like my kid spiritually. I'm telling you. He's the dad you never had, and he's got a purpose for your life that's better than anything that the world says. You're not identified by what you wear or how you look or how cool you are. I used to be identified by the drugs I had and the parties I had and all the concerts I went to and the lifestyle that I lived, and when I gave my life to Jesus, all those people that said they were my friends were MIA. I just need to get you with the mustard seed of faith and get the bitterness out of you. Sometimes you don't even realize it, but you need to say, Lord, who do I need to forgive? And he'll show you. And you need to come out of fear and shame. You can't do it by yourself. You You can't be isolated anymore. No more fear. No more shame. Because it leads to self preservation. Just come into the light, remove the darkness. The definition of darkness is the absence of light. Just come into the light, guys. We're all in process. We're all working through this together. Love covers a multitude of sins. Can you imagine just really being loved for who you really are without any expectation of something back? That'd be pretty awesome. And what if we all got into relationship, no matter how hard it is, but we did it, and we got healthy, and we started setting people free, and now we start handing people off, and it's a team effort like all those men with chainsaws around that tree. Say, so, you know, people come and say, you know what? You know, you've had this kind of background. You need to talk to Jonathan, or he'd be perfect, or Casey, or Caleb. Man, he's been right through that, or Frank and Brittany. Man, you should hear their story. Bam, I hand them off because they're healthy, and I can trust that if I hand, them, hand somebody off to Lee and Stacy they'll get healthy. So I'm asking you to get aggressive and confident even with a mustard seed of faith. I'm asking you to be a a wrecking ball. Come on, guys. A 12,000 pound with a huge giant crane smashing down walls and buildings and mountains, getting aggressive. This isn't playtime or showtime. I don't need more nice Christians. I need, and I don't need you to be angry and aggressive to the point where I don't see love. I need love in your eyes. When Jesus came in Revelation, he had fire in his eyes. It's the fire of God's love for you and for me. Let's all stand.